Iron City Rocks, it's me, E.M. Tony. Yes, sir. episode 517 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 517, we are very pleased to be joined by two very special guests. We have joining us the winner of American Idol Season 21, Mr. Ian Tongi, who will be doing a show at Jurgles later this week. And also joining us just a little bit later, Malcolm Bruce, son of the late Jack Bruce, obviously of Cream fame. Um, Malcolm will be joining us to talk about an amazing uh, tribute album to the music of Cream, so we'll get into that in just a little bit. First, as I mentioned, Ian Tongi will be coming to Jurgles to do a show on Thursday, October 26th. The show is at 8 o'clock. We were fortunate enough to catch up with Ian, an amazingly humble young man who I think, uh, for those of you who watched American Idol, really kind of got swept up in an amazing, amazing amount of uh, stardom at a, at a very young age. The, the young man was only 18 at the time of the show, um, and things just blew up for him, but he's got an infectious uh, persona about himself. So we're going to get into that interview with Ian. He's going to talk to us a little bit about what you can expect if you come out to the show at Gerbils, and then we'll be back to talk to Malcolm Bruce in just a little bit. I don't want to talk. About things we've gone through Though it's hurting me Now it's history I played all my cards And that's what you've done too Nothing more to say No more ace to play Though when I takes it all Besides the victory, that's her destiny. When her takes it all, the loser has to fall. It's simple and it's plain. Why should I complain? I was in your arms, thinking I belonged. Simple 
Pleasure to welcome Dire City Rocks. We have online E.M. Tongi, winner of American Idol season 21. How are you doing tonight, E.M.? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, you're going to be coming in on Thursday to do a show here in Pittsburgh at Jurgles Rhythm Grill, just outside of Pittsburgh. Um, your life, yes, I, I have to imagine, has been kind of a tornado in the last year. Um, does that even begin to describe? I mean, you take yourself back a year. Did you did you see any of this coming, or even dream of this? Nah, man. To be honest, I, I just uh, I, all I all I knew is that I wanted to do music, and um, I never knew that I'll be at this point right now. But I'm enjoying the ride, and yeah, we're having fun. Yeah, uh, what age did you kind of take up the guitar? I mean, because you, your singing voice, I'm sure, has developed. But you know, to, to, or was singing first and the guitar came second. Where, where did you kind of develop as a musician? Um. So, uh, well, like you said, I started singing. My dad tried to teach us. Well, tried. He did teach us a lot of songs, like church songs, growing up. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, I just sang, just sang with my dad when he wanted us to sing. But then I learned ukulele when I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I just fell in love with music. And uh, I went from ukulele to guitar in like sixth grade. And uh, I've just been playing guitar ever since. Was the transition from the instruments difficult? I mean, the tuning is so different. I've tried to go the other way to terrible success. Was that kind of a challenge for you? or do? Uh, Well, I don't know. I feel like it was easy for me because... I, I don't I don't know how to play chords and stuff. I just play by ear. Okay. And stuff. Uh, well, I know I know like the main chords. Sure. And it was easy for me because I knew the main chords and I knew I knew how to play by ear. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's I think sometimes maybe the better way than trying to learn all the theory, um, behind the instruments yeah, yeah. and stuff. Um, what was I, I think part of you know the magic that happened behind you was was the emotional connection you've been able to to develop develop with the audience i think you know i know my wife and i would sit and watch the show both of us welling up uh constantly you you were you know amazing at how you could do that Uh, was that just something you've always been able to do with an audience or or is that something you kind of developed that craft um yeah i just it took a it took a lot of It's amazing because I can. That that's such amazing advice because you don't you know a lot of singers you know it's 
can you hit these notes? Can you, you know, have this sustain, this vibrato? Um, but you you don't necessarily yeah. think of it as can you you make that emotional connection um, when you're playing and, and uh, the comfort level on the instrument was that something that you you kind of just naturally were able to do was to sing and play at the same time because a lot of people kind of struggle with being able to kind of to do both simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you know, like like my dad always used to tell me like my my voice is the best like how you said like you know some people they can't hit the runs and stuff my voice wasn't the best so i had to focus on like like i guess how, how would they say like craft i don't know yeah um uh, i don't know if that's a word but i had to work on like my guitar i had to work on like making people like feel the lyrics like how i feel them and uh, yeah was was being on stage was that something that was comfortable for you like i mean i can't even fathom what the television aspect of this was like but i mean do you enjoy performing live um i, I do i do i do enjoy performing live yeah it's like it's How do you feel about the travel? I mean, that that's something that maybe is a little bit newer. You know, a lot of musicians, you know, they come up, they play clubs near where they live. You, you know, you're in New York City yeah. tomorrow. You're in Pittsburgh. You're going to D.C. I mean, do, do you enjoy that aspect? I mean, you're, you're a very young man, so maybe it's a little more fun. You, you know, is that something you, you, you like about the music business? Um, well, I don't know. It's a lot of traveling. Yeah, and it, it, it gets it gets tiring, and uh, but uh, it's it's uh, it's fun, yeah. Like you said, it's it's a lot of fun, and yeah. Yeah, it, it's I, I you hear a lot of musicians that'll say you know they they so enjoy being on stage for you know the hour hour and a half whatever you know set length you have, but then the other twenty some hours a day are so boring, you know, because it's you know yeah. it's hotels and, and yeah. you know, traveling yeah. and stuff. Um, for, for for those of people that are thinking about coming out to the show, what what kind of music can we expect as far as the set list? Is, is you doing some originals? I know you you've done I, just an amazing Morgan Wallen cover uh, caught recently. What, what kind of material? Yeah, I'm doing a lot of uh, um, I'm uh, I'm doing a lot of covers, but I'm trying to work on it. I'm doing uh, I'm I'm slowly. Uh, Putting in a lot of my uh, my original stuff, my new original stuff, some original stuff that hasn't come out yet, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you have a band or is this just you? Oh yeah, I have a band. It's uh yeah, with a crispy pork band. The crispy pork. That sounds like an excellent excellent name for a band. Um, that's amazing. The uh, so. The American Idol thing, obviously, it just exploded. I mean, I think anybody who watched that show even, you know, and this was, I'll be quite honest with you, this was the first season I personally ever watched. Um, I caught your audition, and I was like, okay, I need to see how this goes. Was, was it, did you get a chance to really interact with the other musicians? I mean, obviously, it seemed like you had, you know, a, a very 
tight relationship with Oliver, but was was it cutthroat at the same time? Nah, not at all. Actually, um, like you know, some some contestants they took it too serious. I feel like, mm-hmm. and um, for me, man, I just try to have fun. If I took it serious, I probably like would have. I probably wouldn't have won. I probably would have been have a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. So I never took it serious at all. I just went and I have fun. When it came to the singing, though, I always made sure that I was serious about that. Mm-hmm. But when we were out there, like filming and stuff, I always have fun and. Yeah, man. I think that, that really came across. Uh, just one last question: the the guitar. Uh, can you talk a little bit? Obviously, yes, that was from your father, but um, for, is that a, a kind of an off the shelf kind of guitar? Or was that something custom made? So it was it was off the shelf. Um, my dad bought it for me. I was um, I think I was twelve, maybe maybe eleven. Yeah, I think I was eleven when he got. No, I was twelve when he got it for me. And uh, he he spent all of his holiday paycheck to buy it. And uh, yeah, that guitar means a lot to me. Do you? Is that one that you know at some point you you just or maybe even you've got to that point already where you just it, that's not going on the road. That's going to stay at home safe. You know, get me a get me a guitar endorsement and ten more of them. But I'm not taking that one out. Have you got to that point with that guitar yet? Nah, nah, man. I'm waiting for it to break. Oh, that's that's a that's a risky proposition. You know, it's it's you know such a special thing, and you know, obviously, <laughs> it's obviously you treasure it. Uh, you know, and, and everybody has to yeah, kind of. I do, I do, man. But but. That's. But the thing is, like, I, yeah, I treasure it. I'm I'm just playing it out until it, like breaks down, and once it breaks down, I'll hang it up, yeah. and uh, you know, box it up or whatever. I'll hang it up and put it in a glass container you know yeah. what I mean yeah but exactly. until then it's, it's like the guitar that I, I want to play with yeah I, yeah it's like my, my guitar. And and I think I think what was was cool about that moment, you know, obviously when you had the the, the issue with the guitar that night on on the show, every guitarist who watched that knew exactly what you were going through. You know, they try to hand you something else. It's like it's like driving somebody else's car. You know, it's it's you can do it, but it just yeah, doesn't exactly. feel right. Yeah. Um. So, you know, you you that really spoke to me when you were like that because I was like I can't imagine you know as you're about to walk on stage and someone hand you a different guitar you know that, you know so I, I, yeah. that was that was a beautiful moment and, and a beautiful instrument and it was a wonderful legacy for your dad and I think you, you're obviously making thank him very you. proud so Ian I want to thank you so much for your time tonight you'll be here on Thursday Pittsburgh thank at Jurgles um, I wish you all the best and we'll see you when you get here man yes, again a giant thank you to Ian Tongi he will be at Jurgles on Thursday the 26th for an 8 o'clock show what an amazing night of uh, music if you saw American Idol you realize Ian is, is, is something special so it's going to be uh, really cool to see him in such an intimate uh, venue such as Jurgles we're going to turn our attention now as I mentioned at the top of the show uh, Malcolm Bruce a musician in his own right son of the late Jack Bruce of Cream fame. Uh, he and Pete Brown, who was a principal lyricist for much of Cream's successful music, put together this this tribute album, which did feature Pete, also featured the late Ginger Baker, uh, doing the music of Cream acoustically. The album is called Heavenly Cream, an acoustic tribute to Cream, also an accompanying film that we discuss in the interview. Uh, this is not your your typical 
run-of-the-mill tribute album where they pull people out of the woodwork that you maybe haven't heard of in several decades. This album features, among others, Deborah Bonham, sister of the late John Bonham, and, and my apologies for the flub in the interview when I referred to her as his daughter. She is his sister, also a former guest of this show. Uh, Malcolm Bruce, who we mentioned before, also features Bernie Marsden, uh, the name odd ring a bell, the late Bernie Marsden of um, Whitesnake fame. Also had played with Jack Bruce uh, before. Uh, also Bobby Rush, Paul Rogers, Neil Murray, uh, just an amazing, and then throw in quite a healthy dose of Joe Bonamassa. This is a very special tribute album. So we're going to, without further ado, play you a little bit of that album. We'll get into the interview with Malcolm Bruce.
we have on the line, Malcolm Bruce. How are you doing today, Malcolm? I'm really well, John. Uh, very nice to meet you over the airwaves. Yeah, virtually it, it, uh, it's a great uh, medium for what we do. And I'm excited to have an opportunity to talk to you about a release you've got coming out on November 3rd, I believe, internationally. Heavenly Cream, an acoustic tribute to Cream, which is obviously in your DNA, your father, uh, Jack Bruce. So could you talk a little bit about how this, you know, this is obviously a labor of love, a labor of, of you know, kind of almost your birthright. But how, how did this, you know, snowball get rolling down the hill? Because you've got a lot of people involved in this. Yeah, I mean, this is really, it was really started by Pete Brown, the uh, lyricist for Cream, um, or one of the, the main lyricists for Cream, um, collaborating with my father. Um, so, and he actually sadly passed away earlier this year, but back in 2017, he was talking to Mike Carden at Quarter Valley Records about another project. And I think they decided, they started discussing the idea of doing a, an acoustic tribute to Cream and shooting a documentary, the sort of making of the, the, uh, record as we went along. So, so really it, it was Pete Brown's instigation Mm. Uh, and then he brought me in he asked if i wanted to be involved and um talked to rob cass who is the producer of the album and then brought in um his friend and collaborator mark waters who's a film director um to to shoot and edit uh a sort of fly on the wall making of a mm. uh, documentary that's coming out alongside the record so so it's been quite a long process um and as you say, it does have a kind of DNA element because Ginger Baker's on the record. It's his final recordings um, before he passed away, I believe, mm -hmm. in 2019. And then obviously my father. So I'm kind of uh, linked into the whole thing. And, um, and Pete, uh, as I mentioned, Pete Brown, who co-wrote a lot of the songs with my dad, like uh, Sunshine of Your Love and White Room and mm -hmm. I Feel Free, etc. So, um, so, yeah, it's... It, it, you know, it definitely is a sort of family labor of love type thing. But I mean, the, the extension of that is the band Cream and their music were part of that legacy. I suppose now looking back on it, we call it classic rock, but it's just it's just the history of popular music and, and the British bands of that era, whether it's The Who or Cream or The Stones or obviously The Stones and The Beatles are kind of the top of that tree but um but cream were incredibly important so yeah. i think to a lot of artists that came around i mean i thought this through quite a lot you know we have um we had the good fortune to have paul rogers sing on the record and um so i would imagine in my head i'm imagining paul listening to cream and then become you know uh free mm. sort of became this really big band a few years after cream um, Andy Fraser, who I actually knew, um, who was the bass player in Free, he he was around the same time as as a teenager. He started off very early in the music business, so he played with people like Alexis Corner, who my father also played with. So it's just a pool of musicians, young guys and girls of that era that um, suddenly became really successful. I don't think any of them thought they would, but that uh you know let's put it politely you know the the british people borrowed uh essentially borrowed black american music mm -hmm. um and sort of 
changed it and turned it sort of anglicized it a little bit and then sold it back to the americans so it's just this rich tapestry of wonderful music that cream is part of yeah yeah and it, it, when you were talking about repackaging of, of that i was all i could think of was was hendrix you know kind of getting <laughs> yeah, resold to us yeah it was <laughs> No, well, actually, I, I knew uh, I knew Chaz Chandler quite well when I was a kid because I went to school for a year. I just completely, that's like by chance, I went to school for a year in London with his son, Stefan. So I kind of got to know Chaz and I used to go, I was 10, you know, but I used yeah. to go to his house and he did tell me a few stories about Jimmy because when Chaz Chandler first brought Jimmy over to London, they actually shared a flat together, an apartment. Um so they were very close. And yes, I mean, Jimmy couldn't get arrested essentially in yeah. the States, right? I mean, he was playing the the kind of chitlin circuit, as they called it, mm-hmm. um, and then was playing like in Harlem or whatever. And I think he kind of, was it Jimmy James and the Blue Flames? I think they yeah. were called it. Yeah. So yes, it's incredible, isn't it? Really, just to think in that short space of time, um, I suppose there's all these reasons that, that we all understand sociologically you know um the post second world war baby boomers you know the youth culture suddenly emerging i suppose before that we didn't have a youth culture you know we had a completely different um set of rules and um so all of those things conspired to create this new wave of creativity and culture and so all the people on the record kind of makes sense even if they're not like me and related to the Batman. sure yeah yeah you had to get a couple of people who weren't literally yes, there's gotta be a couple of them yeah although you know you you do you do sneak in a couple other you've got john bonham's sister um Deborah, yeah yeah you've got bernie marsden who um you know bless yes. you know r.i.p uh yes. to bernie but i mean obviously a foundation neil murray also white snake um you mentioned you know knowing jazz's you, you know son at what point in your life did you kind of realize that that dad was a little cooler than maybe you thought he was you know i, I think <laughs> of, you know everybody thinks of you know their parents is their parents and you know a certain age you hit you know maybe 13 14 their your, your parents are the most uncool thing in the world did that happen to you did you go through that and just be like you know that's he's just making dinosaur music or something um yeah. or you know it wasn't what you were into maybe at a certain point but it maybe later on you know i think it's really i think it does become more complex when you have a a parent that's really successful and you just find yourself doing the same thing i mean i'm not sure uh you know i thought about this a lot actually as well Mm. you know just um if my dad was i always use the example of a plumber i don't know why i say plumber but because plumbers probably make better money than musicians (laughs) that's probably how i use it as an example 2023 yeah (laughs) yeah but you know like plumbers making a hundred bucks an hour you know or something um but you know, if my dad had been a plumber, I don't know whether I'd sort of would have got to a stage and said, "Oh well, his the way he does plumbing is really old fashioned." I'm I'm going to do it with modern. No, I right. think you know, I think I'm lucky or fortunate to. My father was very open, and he moved with the times. He didn't mm-hmm. get stuck as an artist. He didn't get stuck. Um, I think the industry got stuck on the fact that he, of a sort of fifty five plus year career had a two and a half year stint with a band called cream um that was hugely successful uh, in the industry and so the expectation was that he would always 
kind of um rest on that i mean that's just the nature of the business isn't it i think mm-hmm. most artists that have had you know one hit or half a dozen hits or whatever it's always that's always there lurking <laughs> in the background you know even if you yeah. i don't want to play that song i want to play my symphony that i've just we're not interested in your symphony we want to hear sunshine of your love um yeah. so um so you embrace it. And I think as a child, you also embrace it. You know, I'm a writer and I've got my own record coming out next year and all kinds of things going on. But I'm so proud of what my father achieved. And I think he was too, you know. And so it was just part of, you know, in terms of my relationship with him and my perception of him, I think our relationship was based on music. So it you know all the things that come with that and mm-hmm. as an artist myself the the internal struggles the external struggles so there's a sort of bonding in that process as an artist you know the daily the daily act of creating and uh, music making and studying and practicing and trying to figure out how to work within an, an industry that's got its challenges and all that kind of stuff so i'm not sure there's too much time to worry about much else <laughs> yeah I, I think about like you know in your situation compared to like deborah's situation where she didn't get to have her dad uh you know to to a nice old age you, you had a lot of time you know maybe not enough time i don't think anybody's ever really let ready to let go of their father but you know mm-hmm. a lot more time at least to spend you know and to to appreciate it and and well yeah i mean her, the craft her brother, her brother john died uh, you know i'm sorry died. yeah 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 but he he passed quite early on didn't he i think um so it must must be tough for her um from that perspective but yeah i mean what we with whatever we're dealt with we hopefully come to terms with you know sure um, and embrace uh because it's everything's moving except the stillness within you know the divine stillness within us everything else is kind of moving it's transitory so we can't hold on too tightly to stuff um but yes, I was really lucky. My dad did live into his seventies, um, yeah. so we had a pretty good relationship and lots of time. And we made music together. I, I was on quite a few of his records, and um, uh, but very early on, as you as you asked, you know, I think there was an awareness that he wasn't the same as other parents necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, you know, because he wasn't, he was a bit of a naughty boy. My dad, you know, he yeah. liked to party and. But he was also um, incredibly creative and in a particular way and uh, had found a way to access that creativity. And he was making records and collaborating with people and all kinds of things. So, so yes, that was a bit different from, I mean, I grew up, I went to a boarding school for a period of time when I was at school and a lot of the kids around me, their parents were uh, in the the armed forces. So, you know, Navy or, or Air Force or Army kids and so in a similar way like if you're stationed in another country you might want your kids to have a bit of stability as they're growing up um, mm-hmm. and i think with my parents there was a, some, a little bit of a similar thing going on in the sense that my father was on the road a lot touring and all kinds of things going on so i think for a period of a few years i got that stability of being in a school mm-hmm. um you know on a routine you will go to bed this time you will do your homework yeah. if you don't do your homework you will 
write 500 lines. I will do my homework or whatever it is, you know, when you're growing up in that sort of environment. Um, and so I was around kids with parents that were very different to my my dad, you know, mm -hmm. in that sense. Did so did I, your classmates kind of treat you differently? Or, or was... <laughs> I think classmates just are like hormonally awful at certain points. It doesn't yeah. really matter where your background is or who you are. I think, you know, we're just all growing up together. And then apparently we're adults at the age of uh, 18 or whatever it is. Yeah. But I don't think we are really. I think we're still, we're growing through different stages throughout our lives. But yes, certainly at that kind of teenage, I don't need to explain it to you, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure you had the same stuff going on. Um, but yes, I'm sure at certain times people probably did uh perceive me in a certain way you know the the, the famous rock star wealthy rock star you know <laughs> all that those misconceptions you know what what you're <laughs> it's the managers and the record label that are rich yeah. <laughs> well yeah i mean cream cream along with many other you know many artists from that era um cream were in litigation with robert stigward was their manager um mm -hmm. And there was a kind of settlement, I believe, in the 80s or the 90s that went through the courts. Um, but, you know, it's just that was the nature of the game. It still is the nature of the game. Um, we've all had our experiences of of uh, being screwed over. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, Stigwood was one of those, uh, you know, a little bit like thinking back, you know, Peter Grant or there's various... Uh, managers of that era that were trailblazers in their own way even if they were a little bit corrupt they were they had a sixth sense in terms of finding discovering artists you know stigwood mm -hmm. stigwood alone uh, had cream the bgs uh andrew lloyd weber he launched andrew's career um so you know just the, i mean those three acts three of yeah. the biggest acts in the world so you know if he wants to like lose a bit of money on the way into a back room somewhere you know yeah so be it <laughs> when when you put this together who kind of orchestrated who got to play on what because i, I imagine you know you put out feelers to to you know people in the industry that you know that were knew your your father um except pete you know i'm sure there's kind of a line for certain songs you know if you let everybody's kind of pick did did someone kind of have that task of saying okay you know we're going to do crossroads with joe bon yeah. Massa and you know yes i mean predominantly we it was pete and uh rob cast the, the producer that kind of mm. took that role on um we made us a, a master list of songs that we felt you know a general shape to the record mm -hmm. um and then as people started confirming we would give them a few options but um yes i mean because we knew that Joe Bonamassa was going to come in at, on one of the days that Ginger Baker was going to come in, we we wanted, you know, we wanted because Ginger was perhaps the most important person on the record because he was the one of the original members of the mm -hmm. band. So we wanted him to be on, you know, uh, one one or two of the big hit type songs. So sure. to do Sunshine Sunshine of Your Love with him and Joe was a no brainer. That that made perfect sense, and to ask Joe to sing it. Um, so I think that worked out really well. And then people like Bobby Rush, obviously, with his incredible history um, in the industry and sort of his uh, affiliation, association with 
the blues and the whole history of the blues and everything. So, so really, it kind of made sense to ask him to do uh, some of the blues songs that Cream themselves covered, mm-hmm. um, like Spoonful. Um, so that was wonderful. That that worked out really nicely, I think, as well. Yeah. So it's it just you know just it just um it kind of all fell into place. Um, it's a bit as you said, it's it is a bit of a dip, delicate process to kind of arrive at that but you just you know like anything you feel it out yeah you kind of come up with a good solution so i think it worked out i I love looking through the 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 cast of musicians and kind of drawing some of the lines you know between like bernie and deborah and and, you know Mm -hmm. paul rogers and joe palomasa work together you know it's kind of a fun web that this all forms so it's a yes and i mean even but i mean that really we got joe we got joe's agreement to do it i mean i i think i i think he wanted to play with ginger because he played with my father and he played with eric before Mm -hmm. that kind of completed something for him but he was also friends with bernie marsden himself and they they had a sort of bonding over their guitar collections i believe and um so they had a lot of history so you know joe would be if joe was on the road in the uk bernie would sit in at his shows and things like that so so there's all those connections yeah. um, and bernie had played on my dad's uh, final solo record silver Ales, yeah it was done as well so yeah when will we see the film i mean is that going to coincide with the same release or is that forthcoming i believe it's already available okay streaming. um that I don't have the information in front of me, but I believe in the US it is already available, but certainly by the by November the third. Okay. Um and I believe that the the download and the CD is available November third, and then the vinyl, which is a double vinyl package, that's around November twenty-fourth, I think, that that's going to be available. But it's all available for pre-order. Yeah. And, and yeah, I would imagine this is one of those releases where, you know, the people who want it are probably going to go for that vinyl. You know, maybe keep their uh, wet their appetite with the stream until the the vinyl is available. I can yeah. see that doing quite well. Uh, remiss if I don't ask you, uh, you know, on your website, um, you mentioned fake humans and real dolls forthcoming. When when does that see? Well, I'm in the middle of making the record, so uh, it, it's um it's a quite a process for me. Uh, I've got a lot of songs already recorded, but I'm still writing, um, and I'm planning to do at least two or three video single releases leading up to coming out and i think if all goes according to plan with my agents and all that kind of stuff um and a strategy (laughs) we'll you know we'll be on the road sort of from september next year and so probably the album will be out around then okay singles beforehand just to kind of build up my profile a bit more um but I'm excited about it. Uh, I really am. I think it's going to be an interesting record. Um, yeah. But um, because I'm right in the middle of it, it's it's quite hard to say what I can yeah. about yeah. it. Except yeah. I'm excited about it. You know, I think it's, um, you know, I, I'm attempting to express not just write generically i'm I'm attempting to kind of write from the core of my being if that without sounding too pretentious i'm, mm-hmm. I'm attempting to find um some authentic things to say about myself but also about 
what we're all collectively experiencing at this point in history, which is kind of an interesting time to be alive, I would imagine. Yeah, we're blessed we're to be living in a very interesting times. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot going on. Yeah. You know, it's a lot going on with in that sense of, you know, what, who are we? You know, what are we spiritually? And, you know, what is artificial intelligence? And what, what, what is going on in this planet with all this kind of anger and aggression and violence and and uh, why, you know, why are we still all behaving like that? What is it? You know, why can't we just get over ourselves and uh, start growing up a bit as a, as a human race? I think we can. So, you know, and just in terms of an artist, I think in a way we can, we sometimes find ourselves arriving at a point without, without wanting to be political, we can still express those, you know, attempt to express ideas within that sphere rather than just baby i love you but i quite like baby i love you too so yeah you're you're right about that i mean it's it's amazing how many you know when you when you peel away all the layers how many baby i love you songs really are the (laughs) ones that you end up listening to but that's probably all there really is when it comes down to it because underneath everything is sex so you know there you go (laughs) yeah the 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 idea that you you have you know discussing some of those topics in the you know, to make the point you don't want to be necessarily become political, I think makes that a fascinating uh, segue to kind of draw listeners in because I think, you know, at least in the States, everything is political at this point in society. Oh, so it, it's polarized as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're living I literally in, people. If I don't, I find this a lot in with my friends in America. And, you know, I have some, some of the best people I've ever met are in mm-hmm. your country, you know, um, but the politics is really, odd and it's because it divides everybody into one camp or another yeah it's it gets to the point where if you don't agree with somebody they won't be your friend anymore it's like well wait a minute there's another way of seeing there's a higher way a a higher place and also i think that's that realization without getting religious or spiritual there's a Mm -hmm. realization that that what we hold within us the intention that we hold within us creates a response in the external outside world so if i'm if i'm judging somebody else for a particular set of reasons then i'm essentially gonna usually will get that coming back so i'm I, it's like careful what you wish for basically because yeah. if you wish for somebody to be your enemy they will usually show up as your enemy and mm-hmm. i think that's maybe one of the fundamental lessons in life it's like what am i putting out what kind of fears, fear-based reactive thinking am I portraying into my environment? And then, oh, I'm getting it all back, exactly how I expected it to be. <laughs> so uh, so all of that stuff's really interesting. How do I write? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm finding ways to write about these things in that sense. You know, what, what, what is the human potential and what are we actually, how responsible are we? You know, are, are we able to just shout at someone else and say you're wrong or is maybe we're actually part of the process of all of that and forgiveness can be an important thing and being in the moment you know being in presence so yes lots to think about and lots to yeah. write about you've essentially just come up with the next pink floyd concept that you know, it's, <laughs> there you you go. know but you know it, it sounds fascinating so uh i, I think you know that's something to be on the, the lookout for you're going to be dropping some singles and obviously the 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 tribute to uh cream will be out on is that november 4th if i have the third. date right there third. november 3rd my yep. apologies yeah on the third 
Malcolm, I want to thank you so much for your time today. This sounds like an amazing tribute uh, to the legacy of Cream, and and I have to say, almost as fascinating to to look forward to what you have in store for us next as well, man. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, John. Really, really nice to talk to you. Really appreciate your time, too. Thank you. All right. The album is called Heavenly Cream, an acoustic tribute to Cream. That will be out November 3rd on your streaming and your CD. will be available, as you mentioned, in the interview later that month on vinyl. And the accompanying film should be available in the States if it isn't already very, very soon. So it'll be cool to watch uh, just for the amazing amount of people involved in this, you know, Paul Rogers, who would work with Joe Bonamassa on a live album. You've got Deborah Bonham, who had done work with Bernie Marsden. Um, Bernie Marsden also worked with Jack Bruce. So this is like the seven degrees of cream. Uh, just an amazing, amazing opportunity and, and a great representation of the songs. You know, this wasn't uh, something that it felt like people phoned it in and just sent in a, you know, I'll send in a wave file, you send in a wave file, we'll glue them together in production. This was real musicians doing it the real way and it came out tremendous so hats off to malcolm bruce also as we talk about in the interview cannot wait to hear what he cooks up with his next uh solo album so thank you to malcolm bruce also em tongi top of the show will be at jurgles on thursday ought to be an amazing show so i want to thank him as well you can visit us at ironcityrocks.com we are on all the social medias iron city rocks Check us out. We're giving away tons of tickets. We'd like to keep you up to date on all the concerts. So you're not in that situation where you're like, damn, I didn't know he was coming to town uh, two days after the show when all your buddies are posting pictures. Stick with Iron City Rocks. We'll keep you abreast of all the things going on in western Pennsylvania. You can drop us an email, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. What do you think of artists like Ian Tongi? Do you like the classic rock? Do you like some variety in your music? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, we want to thank you for taking the time to listen.